do you recall picking your ear that that much ear would come out under your fingernail (laughs) or like did it just randomly appear like how is that much earwax ew on top of toenails I think I also hate the word earwax it's such a visual thing yeah something about the sound of wax too just really like earwax 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 it feels like it shouldn't be a thing I'm Laura. And I'm Danielle. Welcome back to Not Another Momcast. Hello, and welcome to Not Another Momcast. We heard that sometimes professional people will come across an article related to something in their field and then have a little chitty chat about it. So tonight we stumbled upon an article about breaking cycles from the website scarymommy.com and we felt like this was a great one to start with given our particular niche as parents. But first, let's start with boom and bust. Laura? Yes, hello. Okay, my boom... I guess I have a bit of a toss up. I'll just really quickly say that we got to spend a good couple of days at the beach recently. Good. With everybody, all our listeners now know Melissa. If you don't know Melissa, please go back and listen to episode 18 with Melissa. She reads our natal charts. So good. So good. So fun. So she was at a beach house in the state that we reside in. So we just popped over for a couple days and crashed the beach house. And my girl loves the ocean. And I, it's terrifying because she like will not get out of the water and it was quite rough. But also, God, does it make my heart so happy to see. I'm going to just skip right past the rest of my emotions there though and talk about how Possibly more excitingly, as of the last 24 hours, we have secured for the first time ever a babysitter. Oh my God. Like a comes every day for a couple of hours babysitter, a morning sitter in my home with my child so that I can do literally anything else. Oh my God. I know. I know. Are you I'm a new person? A grown up? Are you a mom? I'm such a, mom? a grown up with money. <laughs> I'm a mompreneur. Yeah, right. So that's the that's the thing is that I would not just have a babysitter or a nanny hanging out with her while I'm home ever. It's just that now, if you guys recall, I have a new job and it currently I know currently requires me to work from home like on a laptop all day uploading, downloading, editing, tweaking, like just behind the scenes admin type stuff is mostly what I'm doing right now. And it is so difficult to accomplish with a two-year-old just like Mm -mm. somersaulting across your keyboard, kicking you in the face, needing to press the caps lock button for the 800th time today because she loves that little light that pops up (laughs) in the circle. And it's just like... Bro, no, I can't. I can't get anything done. And I was starting to get really anxious because, like, I'm supposed to be on the clock, you know, like, I'm a contributing member of this company now. So we have two weeks left before school starts. And I found someone who will come just in the morning, just up until lunchtime, hang out with her, keep her alive, keep her happy. Then we can go down, do lunch, put her down for a nap, go back to work for a little bit, which is so much better than starting my workday when she was asleep for her nap several hours into the day, right? So yeah, that is something. Wait, do you like her? 
Is it a her? The sitter? Yeah. Yeah, it's a her. Yes, I do. Did you interview? Yeah, we did. We met her before. She just started to come hang out with my child unsupervised. Did you have good questions? I didn't really have a lot of questions as much as like, here's how I like to do things. How do you feel about that? And how much experience do you have with this way of approaching toddlers? Because, you know, like I prescribe to a specific philosophy, right? So like as a Montessorian, I don't want someone coming over who's just going to like grab her by the arm and yank her across the room because it's time for lunch. You know, like that's not how we do things here. I don't want to hear her saying, you were bad. You need to go sit and time out because she doesn't know that I don't do that. You know, like, right. So I had to make sure we were on the same page as far as this is how she's two. She's crazy. She's super communicative. She's very bright. She will sing to you all day and she will negotiate her way through freaking everything. This is how I deal with that. Are you cool? Are we on the same page? Cool. You can come hang out. And she's very sweet and she totally is on the same page and it's great so far. Did you only see one person and you were like, yep, We're good. Yes. Of course you did. Yeah. So we saw one person because one person applied (laughs) to the posting and we were running out of time, Danielle. (laughs) Like we saw her Sunday to start on Monday. So thank God she didn't suck because I'd be so screwed right now. Okay. Okay. I didn't even get to my boss. Dang it. This is so, I'm so bad at not talking forever. (laughs) My bust is that it has occurred to me now that I am working and like counting down the days for my child to go back to school that my last ever summer break is over. And and that phase of my life of Mm -hmm. having an entire summer break, several weeks of no job is, is done now, right? Like that's a, that's a trade-off. You leave classroom teaching and you lose that perk. Now I am aware that a lot of classroom teachers also still have to work pretty much all summer to keep making ends meet. I was very fortunate that in the last couple of years, I didn't necessarily have to work camp all summer and do this and do that. I was able to kind of enjoy my summer, especially once my child came. I really enjoyed that time together, especially because I didn't have a job to do while being with my child. So it makes it much easier to be Mm -hmm. with your child when you have nothing else to do. And that time is over. Now, of course, this new job comes with a lot of flexibility and a lot of other opportunities to spend time and blah, blah, blah. But you know what I mean, dude? Like it's the end of an era. Oh, yeah. Losing your summer break. It's the end of an era. I know. And you know what? (laughs) I just saw this TikTok (laughs) where it was teacher quit talk, which is a thing. Yeah, I bet it is. And um, they were saying, they were saying, hey, I was a teacher and I quit and now I have a different job. And guess what? It's worth not having summers off because at the end of the day, you have energy to still exist and have a life. So (laughs) (laughs) the end of the day, you have energy to still exist. That is all I need to know about the choice that I've made. (laughs) So I think it might work out for you. Thank you. Thank you for talking me off a ledge there. Yeah, always. All right. What's your... Okay. My boom, similar to yours, we went on a vacation to my favorite place that I've been going to since I was in my mother's womb, which is my favorite thing to say, and I don't know why, (laughs) but it's accurate. Um, (laughs) And watching my baby enjoy this place that I grew up loving is 
the magical oh my god it is the greatest feeling in the world and she can never hate it so no pressure no pressure dude i'm just gonna tell you right now fast forward like 12 13 years when she's like mom do we have to go there for summer break she's gonna do that for just like a couple years and then she's going to come back around to loving it and making her own children go. But I'm just telling you now, like prepare yourself. She's going to say it (laughs) and she's going to fuss the whole time, but I'm also going to catch her being like, I love it here, which is also (laughs) a beachy ocean area. I just love it so much. Okay. Anyway, my bust is I'm back on a terrible sleeping trend and I don't even want to put this out in the universe, but maybe talking about it will break the curse. I'm struggling to fall asleep. And then also my toddler is waking up quite often in the night, like either screaming or fussing. It doesn't matter. She's making a loud noise. She's waking you up. She's waking me up, which we all know is not nice. It's like just not a fast recovery. So I'm hoping that I can turn this around before I have to go back to school. I'm thinking she maybe is approaching that two-year sleep regression. She's also teething like a mad woman. Mm. So... I hate it. (laughs) Dude, I forgot. I forgot there was like a legit 24-month sleep regression. And now that you say that, I was definitely affected by that. In fact, I think some of our first episodes, I'm lamenting that in my bust. So yeah, just thoughts and prayers. Hang in there, mama. It will pass. It will pass. Will it though? Okay. Thank you. (laughs) I know. It never, (laughs) ever feels like it. Like by the time it passes, I'll be dead. So it doesn't matter. I know. I know. It's so bad. Believe me, I'm giving you any kind of like comforting words is the exact same (laughs) as talking to my husband, Chris. You're both just like the worst Scorpio a-holes and like will not be talked off a ledge if you're on one. So we're like, I desperately want help. Please don't help me. (laughs) Yeah, please do not try to comfort me. (laughs) What happened? What happened? (laughs) I didn't know. I didn't know what to say. So I didn't say anything. And then I grew increasingly uncomfortable. So I left. (laughs) That's perfect. Okay, cool. Cool, 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 cool. We'll be right (laughs) back after this ad break. Hey, sorry I'm late. I spent 20 minutes touching all of the clothes in my closet that I never wear anymore just to ultimately choose the same outfit that I've worn anytime I have to go into public for the last two years now. Uh, Oh, is that an outfit? I thought you were still wearing your pajamas. I am. And you can be too with Not Another Momcast Industries' new fashion line, Not My Pajamas. Wow, so like these are pajamas that you're supposed to wear in public? That's right, Deborah. These brilliant ladies have handcrafted a gorgeous and very forgiving line of tops and bottoms that look an awful lot like pajamas but are totally not. Amazing! I can't wait to get my carcass in a pair of those bad boys. Thanks, Not Another Mom cast. All right, let's get into it. As Danielle said, we're going to read an article entitled, When You're a Parent Trying to Break the Cycle. It is written by Melinda Fowler, published July 11th, 2019 on scarymommy.com. The article begins with, quote, To some extent... I think we all spend a fair amount of time comparing our own upbringings to our children's. How could we not? We see our childhood selves and our children's faces. Maybe we seek wisdom from our own parents about how to get it right. 
or we decide that our parents didn't make the best choice about a particular aspect of raising us, and we make a point to do things differently. So, Danielle, I have a question. What do you have to say about this? Okay, so... First, I want to start with, I did not grow up in a broken home and I recognize that I was very fortunate to grow up in an extremely loving household with two parents that respected one another and did everything they could for us within reason, obviously. That's not to say that they as like their own grown up with like real adult responsibility didn't struggle and have things that they had to work through. They very much did. But I think my parents were kind of the OG cycle breakers, and I'm just a product of that. So prior to my existence, my parents came from families that had, I guess, their own dark corners. And I think that they each made it a priority to do things differently by the time that I was born. So it's always been pretty clear to me and my sisters, and we've talked about this a ton, that everything they did came from an overwhelming abundance of love for us. We usually joke that like they love us too much, which <laughs> is so stupid. I will take all the love I can get. <laughs> and so when I think about breaking cycles, I'm coming at it from a slightly different perspective And when I dig deep enough, I recognize that some parenting techniques were a bit too harsh for me and my personality. So sometimes I do wonder, like, is it a cycle I'm striving to break? Or is it also just the fact that different personalities require different forms of communication to feel like a certain level of safety, security, warmth? That's a good question. That's an interesting question. Is that a cycle of something that you perceived to be like a toxic way that you were communicated with or handled in certain circumstances? Or is it just a lack of understanding? Right. Or just sort of seeing your unique personality and that that way of approaching things didn't quite work for you. But I feel like you could argue it doesn't matter what the cause for it was if you were consistently handled in a way that didn't feel good to you. Right. That's something that was probably passed down to Mm-hmm. that person. That's probably how they were always handled, how they were always talked to, how all of their siblings were talked to. And just, I think that kind of is a cycle. It's like that one size fits all punishment or one size fits all way of dealing with things. Yeah. When we know now that one size does not fit all when it comes to emotional regulation or dealing with the really tough stuff and trauma and just like, it's it's a very personalized approach or it should be. It is. Well, yes, it should be a personalized approach. And I think when I reflect on my childhood, I think you're right. I think that some sometimes the way that I was handled or dealt with when I was a little shit <laughs> right. was a better form from what my parents maybe would have been exposed to, right? but still like a little too harsh for me and who I was and am. Yeah. And I will also say the same of, I feel like in my, in my upbringing, I can absolutely see where my parents strived to do it definitely better than how it was done for them, especially in terms of like punishment and, you know, tough things like that, but also can clear as day, see where there were some gaps that they just didn't know about. Like, I do feel like we're very blessed to be going into parenthood with 
the amount of information that we know, a lot of which came from the professional careers that we chose to pursue, which just forced us to learn about kids and development and different things. And a lot of it just came from the fact that like society is slowly changing and these things are being talked about more. And we are of a generation that is actively deciding Mm -hmm. that what was always good enough, period, and not even just in parenting, but in, in every aspect of our lives, whatever was good enough for the people before us is good enough for us. That is finally being questioned now. And I like it. I'm here for it. So I think we're just fortunate to be parents the time that we are parenting for that reason. I know. I'm very here for it because I think maybe, I don't know, let's say even eight years ago, five years ago, I would have thought that the knowledge that I have or my perspective on child rearing. I think that I felt really lucky that I had a background in education and child development because I think that that gave me sort of like a leg up on it all. Yeah. However, and I don't know if it's just because I'm I'm following certain niches on social media or whatever <laughs> algorithms come to me, but I feel like everyone now has the opportunity and access to challenge previous ways of thinking. And maybe, maybe we are also inundated with too much, which can contribute to its own new cycle of parenting. Yeah. Oh, I do think that at some point that will have to be a cycle that is broken. You can read so many articles on the importance of breaking cycles that you start to freak yourself out about what toxic things you're doing to mess your kid up. You know, like it can be too much. So I think you're absolutely right. I think this will need to be a thing that's going to now be built into parenting that we're going to have to break through. (laughs) I think you're totally right. Oh my God. We're so great. (laughs) All right. Let's move to, let's move to the next little passage that resonated with us. So she goes on to say, quote, many of us though are on a mission to change the narrative of our lives, to tackle the mental health issues and toxicity that run through our family. Many of us are doing everything we can to give our kids a childhood markedly different than our own. Uh, She then goes on to kind of relate her own personal experience with her. It sounds like she has two daughters and one of them pretty clearly is exhibiting an anxiety disorder, Mm -hmm. which is something that she had suffered from her whole life and sort of her struggle now with like, did I do this to you? She was trying to be so careful and so intentional, like how did this happen type of thing. So mental health, you know, that's a thing that we have absolutely talked about. Yeah. Talk to me about that aspect of it. Okay. Yeah. So I have a lot of thoughts around this because this is something that I very much can relate to and connect with. So I do think that my own cycle of mental health struggles, which does run in my family, is something that I really want to focus on breaking with my own child. And like the article says, with that comes pressure and guilt and stress and... Spoiler alert, it's no secret that I have anxiety. What? I <laughs> shocking you? I you? know. I know. I know. I didn't know what it was, but now I know. <laughs> I have also dabbled in the waters of depression, but the anxiety, which is like very on trend right now, is a difficult one for me to personally manage all the time, right? So it ebbs and flows like anything in life. Some seasons I feel lighter. I have like a really good formula. I feel like I can keep things in check. And other seasons, everything feels just entirely off kilter and I'm drowning in these unbearable 
toxic, all-consuming thoughts, and I just cannot stop tripping over myself. And it's in those moments that I (laughs) worry that I will unintentionally create anxiety for my child because my fear is that she's learning this behavior from me. Right. And that sometimes, sometimes that anxiety is just too hard to control or That instinct is like, it's just the first reaction you have. And so it's hard to find control in those moments, right? To create that tiny bit of space between the behavior and the reaction. And so it's just, that is always a work of progress, especially when I'm in like a pit. I also know, like she was saying in the article, I could do everything in my power to limit her exposure to mental health struggles and she could still grow up and experience the same exact struggles I try to protect her from, right? Like she could just have a chemical imbalance in her brain and this could just be a genetic thing that she has, that she has to learn how to cope with. And so I think the better thing that I can teach her is discovering ways that help manage the struggles, right? So whether it's moving her body or reading or meditating or journaling or therapy or prescribed medication, that's going to be the more useful lesson for her down the road. So not hiding the anxiety, but explaining it and then showing her that these are the things that, like for me, these are the things that mommy needs in order to make her feel her best. And it's not selfish to do these things, to take care of yourself and your mind. And it's like, it's the healthy and the right thing to do so that you can be there for the people in your life. That is extremely well said and really highlights why it's important to model that because, you know, there's the whole debate of nature versus nurture. Like what are you predestined to manifest, exhibit, all of that just based on your genetic makeup versus nurture where someone showed that to you. That was modeled for you in your environment. You picked that up from the people around you, right? So what if these disorders are nature and not nurture? What if you cannot do anything to stop it from manifesting? Mm -hmm. Why is it so important to be open about it? So I think you just hit the nail right on the head because I think that is such a problem for generations past. And a lot of our generation is still struggling with it is the idea that the parent is the rock and that that means that the parent never exhibits their own struggles. That's never on display for their kids. Mm -hmm. And that's so unrealistic and unhealthy for the parent and for the kid. Yeah. Because what happens is the kid then develops these issues or similar issues or any issues at all and thinks, oh my God, there's something so wrong with me. No one else in my family is struggling with this. Parents feel this obligation to always handle everything themselves and and the tough stuff by themselves and to not share that with kids. And it can be such a gift to a kid to find out that somebody that you love and is close to you and that you even look up to, that they went through this too, Mm -hmm. that's great. Like I'll make it. And maybe they don't develop any of those things. But what will come from that certainly is going to be compassion for others in their lives because there's absolutely no way you're going to exist on this planet and not run into someone with Mm -hmm. an anxiety disorder or depression disorder, you know, whatever it is. Right. If we could just remove the stigma from mental health – we could start to get better. Right. You wouldn't be so afraid to. When you were talking earlier about if older generations were more vulnerable with us growing up, I think 
that was my lived experience was it wasn't until I was older and I learned about anxiety and depression and then was having conversations with my family that I learned other members of my family have also been dealing with this and have been dealing with this for most of their lives. And I was so freaking relieved to hear that like, okay, so this is not, something's not just wrong with me. Right. But why haven't we talked about this? Right. And now- it's very much a point of conversation and I'm so grateful for it, but I was not aware of that. I think I was always shielded and protected as a kid, but also I understand like, what are you going to do? Talk to me as a six-year-old about (laughs) your depression. That's true. Yeah, that's true. However, becoming like a young adult and learning that it was very eye-opening and really freaking validating to hear. Yeah. I hear you saying like, what are you going to do? Talk to me as like a freaking fetus about your depression. (laughs) Like that seems not appropriate. And that wouldn't be. I feel like there are age appropriate ways to even just, I feel like what we're doing right now with our toddlers and just naming and validating emotions and recognizing emotions in others, leaving space for that emotions, but also giving healthy alternatives for how to deal Mm -hmm. with it. That's all right there laying the groundwork for everything that you're talking about without saying right now, like, hey, I suffer from anxiety. (laughs) You know, like that's (laughs) mommy feels like she's going to throw up right now because she has to make a phone call to another adult. I hear what you're saying, but I still think I do too, dude. I do too. (laughs) It's still something. It's just something that needs to be talked about. And it's interesting because I think, I think sometimes it's the, the stigma and the shame that our adults grew up with themselves. Other times I think maybe there's sort of like this weird hope that if I had that thing that I clearly see my kid is struggling with, but I am some sort of functional, then they'll push through it too. Mm-hmm. And maybe if I just treat it the way that it was treated for me, then like they'll be functional too. Like, yeah, you know, you know what I mean? Like I, I cannot tell you how many parent conferences I sat in on where I tried to bring to the attention of a parent something that I could clearly see was a struggle for a kid for that parent to be like, oh, I was the same way. And I'm like, does he know that? And they're like, no. And I'm like, you should really talk to him. You know, like it, yeah. it would blow your son's mind to know that you also could not sit still, could not attend to a math lesson, but could build a 4,000 piece Lego set in 15 minutes quietly. You're so right. These are things that that you can talk about with your kids because it doesn't mean that it's going to get worse or they're not going to be able to function. In fact, if anything, I feel like it means that they're going to have a much better chance of being able to understand their own brain, embrace their own brain and function so much better than you even could have imagined better than you are. Yeah. So now my brain is just thinking that I think sometimes too part of the stigma though is it can be hard for parents to accept that in their own kids because maybe they Mm, didn't have a great experience with it all. And by labeling it, it becomes real (laughs) and it's a little bit easier to be living in that denial. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. I think that's another really common reaction that came from those conversations was, I don't want my kid to be labeled. I don't want my kid to be treated a certain way for the rest of their lives because of this diagnosis or this you know, evaluation, whatever it is. And I 100% understand that. The only thing I could, again, beg of those parents in that situation was, 
So don't look at it that way. Don't look at it as you've now been put in this box and don't Mm -hmm. treat it that way and don't treat them that way. In fact, you can sit down with this kid and talk about what's going on with this kid in a way that is like, dude, do you understand how freaking cool your brain is? Yeah. You can talk about the things that are hard for this kid, right? But any kid that's struggling with something is also excelling at something else. So let's sit down and talk about your strengths then. So like, yeah, you you have anxiety. Okay. You might not know what that is yet, but that's that thing that makes your tummy hurt when it's time to go to school in the morning and you are now convinced that like you cannot even make it to the car because you are so sick and there is nothing wrong with you. It is all in your head, right? This is anxiety. You also are an extremely talented, incredible artist. Like you can draw things that I can't even, I couldn't even trace this picture, right? Like I think I hear you say that parents are afraid of the stigma and the label and their kid being put into a box or being written off as less than. And that's another part of why we need to change this whole stigma thing, because that should not be the case ever. Everybody should be aware that every brain is unique and amazing and comes with just as many strengths as challenges. And we should be talking to our kids that way about their brains and our brains. And we should just believe that. Like when everybody starts believing that as a society, we won't have to be ashamed of something that we struggle with. Nobody should ever have to be ashamed of something that they struggle with. Oh my God. And I really look forward to the day that we we aren't. I know. If everybody just had the ability to turn some of those negative labels into just positive things, right? So like I think about ADHD. So yeah. instead of like can't sit still, right? Like how are we going to reframe this into – these po- anyway, you're right. We're going down a different yeah. different path, different path, different path. It's definitely something that can be unpacked in this topic, but I feel like for the sake of this episode- We're going educational. Yeah. 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 Okay. We're getting- yeah. I, I personally We're getting, getting teachery. Too, yeah. I'm getting too teachery. But yeah, I think there's a way to approach these things when the kids are still younger that can set them up for more long-term success. I agree. Okay. Keep going. All right. Now, all of that being said- I don't want anyone listening to get the idea that we think that we are going to nail it perfectly. Like our kids will have zero trauma. There will be nothing that they have to heal from. There will be no mistakes made on our part. We will always say the right thing and behave the right way and treat them like the perfect little unique superior angels that they are. We both know that's not possible. I mess my kid up every single day, multiple times a day. All the time. (laughs) With the best of intentions, right? Obviously. So I I just want to skip to, towards the end of the article, she says, quote, I know that no childhood can be perfect. That's impossible. And anyway, experiencing zero pain or struggle is not what we want for our children. They need to know how to get through tough times. No one is immune to that. Mm. End quote. Mm-mm-mm. She's right. That is the goal. That is the goal for me of breaking the cycles is to make a more resilient, capable, confident human being, not someone who never experiences trauma, pain, loss, anything, but someone who can get through all of that and still stand on her own two feet at the end of the day, or know, know, and be okay with needing to lean on somebody else. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. I, I have a note written down here about that. So at first when I was recapping all of this, I was thinking like, wow, how freaking fortunate was I that growing up, I felt like all of my needs were met. Right. So like 
Sure, maybe I felt misunderstood or scared to completely express myself, but between having two really involved parents, I almost always had somebody that I could openly speak to when I was scared of the other one. And that's what I think about while raising my beautifully strong-willed girl. Like if I had no one to turn to, which I know is the case for way too many people out there, I could have ended up in a really different dark circumstance. So I just always want my girl to know that she's never alone if she doesn't want to be, right? Like there will always be someone on her side. She will always have a place where she can just breathe and be because she's going to go through it. As much as we want to protect them, as much as we want to shield them from all of the shit that's going to happen, they're going to be dealt some really crappy hands in life. There's no way around it. I think that's the relationship I'm trying to build with her is that no matter what you've like, you've got your number one girl. I will always be here just to support you through it. I'm not going to like pave the way and protect you, but there's always going to be someone that you can lean on. Yeah. That's a huge, huge differentiation. We're not going to pave the way and we're not going to protect. We're not going to be able to, even if we tried, it's just not going to happen. But just to know that you don't have to go it alone. Yeah. And honestly, even if that's not me, but just that you know that it's okay to ask for help. I mean, I want it to be me. I really do. I know she's going to go through a stage. It has to be me. <laughs> what, my child? It has to be you for my for child? For your child and my child. For everybody's child, for it just has to be children. me. <laughs> and you know what? Knowing you, though, it's true. Every child that's been born and will be born <laughs> is going to trust you and want to come to you. You have a gift for that. Thank you so much. But also teenagers. Oh, God, yeah. You don't know. We don't know what those years are going to look like. I was no. not super like defiant and rude and hated my parents, anything like that. But I did retract. I did pull away Mm -hmm. in my teen years, not disrespectfully, not rudely, nothing like that. I just, I went from being the kid that sat down at the dinner table and told you every, every detail of my day, much like one of these podcasts (laughs) to being that kid that comes in and is like, hi, yeah, I had a good day. Yeah. How was yours? Great. Okay. I'll be in my room. You know, like just didn't want to get into it anymore. And I remember my parents, I remember actually my sister and her friends being the first ones to be like, are you okay? You've changed. (laughs) Um, And those were the teen years, you know, and the natural progression. I don't know what it will look like. And maybe during that time, she will also naturally sort of pull away and want to find that comfort and solace and companionship in other people. In fact, that's a really big part of the teen years is wanting to find that community and your belonging with other peers, right? Your peers become more important to you than your parents and your family. And it's supposed to be that way for a little while. And there's a reason for that. So I get that and I'll have to respect that. But I want desperately though for her to know that it's okay to reach out and ask for help. So if it's not going to be me, like who is that other adult mentor, really, really, really good friend with a super good head on her shoulders. Yeah. Where's that safe place that you can go to or or multiple safe places, right? That would even be more ideal. The more, the merrier. The more, exactly. The more, the merrier. But I just want her to know that that's okay because I feel like I did grow up on the tail end of that sort of tough mentality. You know, both our families are from New York. They're immigrant families, blah, blah, blah. It's that like you do it yourself. You stick it out. You keep your head down. You don't grumble too loud. You know, you just take a beating. Also, you don't see a psychiatrist unless you're like certifiably loony, you know, like you don't see a therapist. What's wrong with you? And just like all of that was kind of built into. For the record, I saw many a therapist in my day. (laughs) 
<laughs> right. I've seen some too, but and I but I went in with like that voice in the back of my head yeah. of like being a little bit worried that like someone in my family might find out and might think I'm crazy. I don't know. I, that's got to stop though. Yeah. Well, that's the cycle. And it's mental health and it's the ability to just ask for help, period. So, yeah. I do think that's the major goal is not to make everything sunshine and roses and rainbows because that's so unrealistic and really unfair and really dangerous to do to a kid and then set them loose in the real world. It's just so that I know that when she gets to the real world, she feels like, I got this. Yeah. She's got some tools in that toolbox. Yeah, exactly. Well, I loved it. Do you have more you want to say? Well, just, I think just a nice little sort of positive note to wrap up on is the last sentence in her article. She says, quote, I think the thing to remember is that simply by making a choice to make things better for your kids, by acknowledging that you are working on breaking the cycle, you are doing so much for your kids. So much. End quote. So true. We're going to link this. Yeah, we will. We'll we'll link this. We'll give credit where credit is due. Um, there's more to the article. We just kind of picked the things that we felt like were good jumping off points for us. But yeah, I just wanted to wrap up with that sentiment because, you know, it basically says you're not perfect. You're not going to be perfect. There's no such thing as perfect. The fact that you are being intentional about knowing that you want a better quality of anything for your kid, you're already winning as a parent. And that that, that makes me feel better, you know? I'm glad that you feel better. I feel great always, though. Oh, do you feel great yeah. always, though? Always, 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 unless I'm on TikTok. I was just going to say, so no TikTok spirals <laughs> today then? It's been a clean day. Are you clean today? No, I'm not clean today, and I can't talk about it. Let's move on. <laughs> okay, we'll save that. We've actually already had the request to do an entire episode on your <laughs> TikTok journeys, so we will save it. Okay, should we go to? Should we do Please some dumps? Do. Let's dump it out. Let's <laughs> dump it out. I like it. I like it. All right, I did too. All right, who should go first? I'll go. Okay. You know how you're talking about words, right? My question is, did we already say folded should be felded? Ooh, did we say fold should be felled? I can't remember, but definitely should be. Definitely. Irregular verbs, people. Yes, thank you. <laughs> you know how you talk about words? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go on. Okay, I'm going to spell a word and I want you to say it how you would say it. S Y. R-U-P. Syrup. Come on. Say it again. Syrup. Really? Syrup. Really? Syrup. Really? Am I supposed to say syrup? <laughs> yes. No. No, this is my problem. I have syrup versus syrup. It's Y, syrup. It's not like syrup. It's not S-U-R-U-P, syrup. It's syrup. I completely agree with what you are saying right now about the rules, the phonetics, I totally am with you on it, but it's syrup for me. I am repulsed by you right now. Moving on. Don't talk about it. <laughs> I am so angry. That's how you say it. <laughs> I was talking to my cousin who casually mentioned that she read something that like we shouldn't be mixing veggies and fruits together in our smoothies. Okay. What? I know. So I did like a very quick 
Google search. And in my research, I found an article that said it can create some sort of toxic type gas that can lead to other ailments, one being skin issues such as psoriasis. Oh. Dude, this was an awakening time for me because when I think about the random ass time that my psoriasis popped up on my body and I was like, what the freak is that? It is around the time that I discovered green smoothies. And do you still regularly put them in your body? On a fairly regular basis, I will have a smoothie with veggies in it. In fruit. That's the problem, right? Yes. Fruit and veggies mixed together. Eat them separately. Oh my goodness. All right. Well, you're going to have to eliminate that for a little bit and tell me what I'm going to eliminate that. I'm going to eliminate that. I'm going to see how it goes. Okay. So okay. then um, I was having a great conversation with my aunt and she said something that blew my mind right off my head. Okay. Yep. She said, that the water on earth is the same water that has been on earth since the beginning of time. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. Per the water cycle, it's not going right. anywhere. Right. Or coming from anywhere else. Wow. We're swimming in dinosaur water. In prehistoric waters. No wonder it's so healing. Hello. Danielle. 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 What? What? I think you think it's the same water the Sumerians bathed in? No, but definitely the Babylonians times. <laughs> <laughs> Celestial bodies dip their toe in there. <laughs> I hate you. You won't let that one go. I love that that's your least favorite one, Celestial bodies. That one was like just a step too far for you. <laughs> I love it. Uh, because when somebody says stars and you then translate it to celestial bodies, like, come on now. Well, here, Danielle, no. here's the thing, Danielle. She said stars in that instance, but the chart is comprised of stars, the moon, the sun, planets, all of them combined you, can be described no, as Laura, celestial Laura, bodies. Laura, you just wanted to say celestial bodies because you have to be smart always. And it's really getting to me. <laughs> It's now 25 years into our friendship and now it's getting to you. That's really good timing for me. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Please You're tell welcome. me your last thought. I then was thinking, right, we're swimming casually in dinosaur water, which made me think about dinosaurs naturally. And I think it's crazy that dinosaurs were a real thing and now they're just these like colorful stickers and characters. That is pretty funny to think about like children playing with toy dinosaurs. If a real ass dinosaur just <laughs> came through your neighborhood, like it would be the most terrifying, horrific thing that you could ever imagine. Your child would never play with a dinosaur again. No. But that's not the case. That's so interesting. It is interesting. Okay. What do you got? Okay. I just think that it's pretty rude that you can ask someone else to do so many other things for you, but you can't just ask them to go pee for you. <laughs> mm -hmm. I had a couple days ago, what, no, nothing, you don't agree with me? Wouldn't that I be did. so convenient? You paused. You paused. And I'm waiting for, is there more to it? Did you have like a reasoning? Do you want a reaction? I would like a reaction. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> going to cut all of that and go straight to my next one. How do you think cops feel about Waze 
and those other like social navigation apps where people can report their locations. I thought at first they're probably pretty mad about that, right? Like busted, you're trying to hide there and everybody knows you're there. So they're all slowing down before they get to you. But maybe that's kind of like great. Maybe that's kind of great that everyone slows down when they were speeding because there's a cop up there. Right? Like, isn't that the cop's job also? I mean, I guess that you, you're getting, they're taking away the ticket fun. I assume that's fun for cops. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um, but isn't it still ultimately like achieving what they want? So, what do you think? Do you think they're happy? You think they're mad? What do you think? I, I don't know. I would also initially think like they're a little bit like, what the heck? Then, Two things. One, I think that they want to give tickets because I feel like that money goes to their department or something. I knew people that were cops, and at the end of the month, they were like, they got to reach the quota, a quota or something. Yeah. 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 I've heard that too. So maybe they're pissed. Yeah. Second, though, couldn't they then just get the app and be like, maybe they they make it a game? <laughs> no cops here because you can do that, right? Like you can like thumbs down if someone right. reports something, be like, that's right. not true. <laughs> right. I think that could be fun for them. And that's their entertainment. So now for like the day. they're sitting on the side of the highway, like playing this game on ways where they're denying their existence. People are just flying past them. They're still not getting tickets. They have to get better hiding spots. So people can't spot them <laughs> and track them on ways. Okay. It's so, so much work because of these apps. I just, I just wonder how they feel. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Um, just two more. You know what is a lovely beverage when it's perfectly chilled? Seltzer. You know what is the worst thing to ever touch a human mouth when it is room temperature or above? Mm-hmm. Seltzer. Mm. It's awful. It's like hot, angry bee piss in your mouth, (laughs) just stinging and attacking your mouth. And I hate it. So that happened. I obviously had had a hot seltzer (laughs) that day. Yeah. I don't remember what day this was, but I just have one note that says hot seltzer. So I was a little upset about it. And this one just came to me moments ago. I'd like to run it by our dear old uncle Frank as soon as I get a minute. And the question is, do nuns have email? (laughs) You can't Google that. You can't Google it, can you? Can you no. Google that? Do nuns have email? No. I don't even want to know what you get no. when you Google that. <laughs> I feel like he might know. He would know, obviously. I feel like nuns are probably more connected than we give them credit for, right? Well, do you think like they have like an one room in the, I want to say castle, <laughs> but not castle, church, rectory? What do nuns live in? They don't live in the church. They live in their own little nun house. Do you think they all have their own Wi-Fi signal going and like their own personal computers and they communicate with like their family members? Or do you think when you decide to become a nun, you just like immediately stone age, you live in robes and you chant and you don't leave this like 50 foot radius? I guess sometimes you all leave to cross streets and walk down sidewalks and stuff together for movies in New York City. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> together. You all have to go together. It's got to be like a whole flock of nuns. I love that you also said you all. Just to be <laughs> slightly less offensive, we both grew up Catholic. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. That's true. I, you're right. We probably should say like we're not just – well, it's still probably offensive, but I, it's coming Absolutely. from a place of love and respect and I just see them as this, you know, nearly – godlike being and it's hard to imagine them like you've got mail on a laptop but i suppose they do all right that's it that's okay. that's all i'm not gonna answer okay well 
Thank you, Laura. And thank you for listening to Not Another Momcast. You can find us on Instagram at Not Another Momcast or email us at notanothermomcast at gmail.com. However you listen, if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, review, or for a friend. We'd love to hear from you. My favey fave. Ready? Ready? I'm ready. Okay. One, two, three. Okay, bye. bye.